YouTube is like this truly godless um, corporation that's really only interested in driving engagement and getting views to be profitable and not in like enforcing any, either the letter or the spirit of its anti-hate policies. It just doesn't, truly does not give a shit. Welcome to the Bituation Room. I was holding a weird pose uh, for a long time before the end of that music. Um, and for those of you who are listening, it's better that you didn't see it. It's better. Uh, I'm your host, Francesca Fiorentini. So good to have you here, everyone, uh, from the YouTubes, from the Facebook, from the Twitch. Uh, I did a TikTok today. Oh, no, yesterday. I did a TikTok. That's how you're supposed to say it. Uh, it's just Maggie Smith uh, doing a TikTok. We have such a good show. We got Eliza Skinner, Carlos Maza. We're talking about Jeff Bezos and where he's going to be in 20 years. Think about that. He's going to be either running shit or, all right, we'll talk about it later. Save it. Save it, Francesca. Um, I wanted to remind you all, if you're watching, to make sure to hit the little like button, subscribe, uh, make sure that you get alerts when we're going live. If you're listening in the future, my future friends, do I make it big? Just let me know. Um, but rate this podcast, give it five stars. Thank you so much already for everyone who's done that. You guys have written some really sweet reviews. And I appreciate it. This week, we are raising funds, as we do every week, for a different cause, uh, for Raices Texas DACA Fund. If you didn't hear, Trump administration is not going to uh, listen to the Supreme Court. What else is new? We're a banana republic. Um, so we're going to be supporting their work that benefits immigrant youth, and they provide legal services and social services and advocacy so tip us. It helps this show stay alive. TBR-Live on Venmo. TBR-Live on Cash App. Thank you so much, as always, for that. And let me just bring in my homeboy for the hour. Comedian, labor organizer, Mr. Nato Green. What's up, everybody? Sad dad on the case. Cheers. Sad dad. Sad dad. Oh, yeah. Sad dad's gonna get to it. Um, I just, I no cocktail tonight, just straight bourbon. Oh, yeah, that's straight sad, Dad. Did your child pour that for you? Because <laughs> that'd be solid. Do you know I have hmm. um, uh, I have a special ice cube tray for Han Solo frozen in carbonite ice cubes? What? Uh, what? 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 what are those words together? Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> Empire Strikes Back at the end, Han Solo gets frozen in carbonite. Oh, and then at the beginning oh, of Return of the Jedi. Anecdote. I thought it was something like... Uh, some sort of AOC. What was the thing you called the like? I don't know. I thought it was something esoteric, but it's Han Solo. I know what that is. Yeah, Han Solo frozen in carbonite. Yeah. So oh, yeah, it, yeah. so I have ice cubes shaped like Han Solo frozen in carbonite. Nice. To go with my, I think uh, my Willet bourbon here. Oh, Dad's also a nerd. Yeah. Hell yeah! All right. Well, I'm gonna bring in our uh, guest comic, NATO. Please do. I'm She's super, the best. Super stoked. She's a stand-up comic, actor, writer, who's been seen on The Late Late Show with James Corden, Chelsea Lately, and TBS has dropped the mic. She's also the head writer of a forthcoming Disney Plus show called Earth to Ned. Please welcome Eliza Skinner. Hey, hi, how are you? You know, here. <laughs> uh, 
I wish I was yeah. queer. I feel like that would make the apocalypse easier. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's Eliza, so hard there's to not say like, how are you? And where the answer is always, uh, you yeah. know, <laughs> the way we all are. That's that's how I am. Uh, Eliza, all... some of the people in the comments are are requesting uh, sighting of your dog. Yes. Oh. Already. Uh, if you boom. could just, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Eliza's dog is currently gnawing on a Kong. He gets all frozen Kong uh, when I do zooms so that he will chill out. And then later on, he'll be sleeping back there. Nice. All right. Dude, that deserves a like, y'all. That deserves five stars. (laughs) You guys got your wish. Uh, Eliza's dog is adorable if you're just listening to this. Um, Let's jump into it. Eliza, we start the show off with just, you know, just a very standard, what are you bitching about right now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because, like, why would we look at the current situation from a positive light? You know, just like, let's always, let's lean into the darkness is what I'm saying. And, and I go first with my bitching? Oh, you you can you can go whichever order you want. Well, I, I need to hear your bitches so that I know where okay. mine should land. I don't want if you if you're like you know nuclear disarmament and I'm like sugary cereal that's not good. (laughs) But but way to get this show. (laughs) (laughs) We contain multitudes. Mm -hmm. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I'll go first because I never do, and I will because we used to actually bitch about like I'd bitch about like hot yoga, nails, you know, like uh, you know things when I enjoyed life more. And now it's just like, uh, why won't the ruling class understand that they're fomenting revolution currently and it's going to be violent anyway, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, this week I am going to bitch about, um, salads because coming in hot (laughs) (laughs) salad. I know it's hot as balls in a lot of people's, uh, towns and including Los Angeles. Uh, and I was going to make, I made a very nice dinner. I was like, I'm just going to make three salads, you know, just like a light, you know, and, and it was for some friends, very socially distant, uh, you know, emotionally and physically. And so much work. You got to toast the pine nuts and you got to saute the thing and you got to sh- grate the ch- cheese and you're d- doing three things at once and you're boiling potatoes. And at the end of the day, you eat it all and you're not full. And I'm just like, fuck a salad, honestly. Like, I could have made this ex- exact amount of labor and I would have been full. And so, um, like, I, I I, get it. Like, I get why we're supposed to. And, yes, they're tasty. I just think that the work is not worth it. Yeah, I uh, was actually just thinking about this the other day that I've been cooking so much and I never used to cook. I pridefully was like, if it's not frozen, I don't eat it. Um but now, like, I know how to make everything, anything I ever want. Uh, and so the, and and I used to only, every time I would go to a restaurant, I would be like, well, let me order something I don't know how to make, or I wouldn't want to have to bother making at home, which yeah. at that point was everything. But now I'm like, I can make that. I can make that. I can make that. So the only thing that I order out is salads because I'm like, oh, you have to chop so many little things and then yeah, what, yeah. eat a whole amount of that vegetable? I can't I can't do that. I'm going to keep part of a, of a carrot? Come on. So <laughs> I... I appreciate that. I understand. So, Thank you. What are your thoughts about emulsions? Let's get into it. 
Oh, well, I do like making salad dressings. I use yeah. my old jars um, once there's just a little bit of mustard left in there. And I pour some, mm. it's good. And then you shake it up. It's great. My mom bought an emulsifier and I was like, you got played. <laughs> you got played. Is shake that just a tiny blender? I don't it's get just, it. It's just like a, it's like a, it doesn't matter. It's, that is, it a, is it a guy who shakes your jar for you? <laughs> I wish. Oh my God, I wish. Uh, he's also a hamburger helper. Yeah, fuck my, the salad. My, my issue with salad is, is most of the time I would rather have a cooked vegetable, like a chard or a roasted asparagus, than a, than a fresh salad. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Oh. I guess so. It's all too much work. Mm. Yeah, I like a nice chilled meal sometimes, especially when it's this hot. But yeah, gazpacho. Oh, dude, I love a gazpacho. I do love a, a, a gazpacho, but sometimes I feel like I'm drinking salsa. Yeah, I just thought of a cute cartoon, but it like the gazpacho, but it's like Gestapo, but it teaches you about World War II. Anyway, Nato, what are you bitching about? <laughs> <laughs> uh. I uh, so I'm I'm bitching about toppling and replacing statues. Um, so yeah, again. So you know, there's been this thing of like like people tearing down statues of murderers and slavers and colonizers, which is great. I am here for it. T tear them all down. Throw every Christopher Columbus into the ocean. I'm with it. It's great. Mm -hmm. uh, but then the next step. I, is where they lose me because then people are like, we need to replace them with statues of good people. Like the, you know, like with, with, you know, uh, uh, we need to put up a statue of this, you know, indigenous leader or whatever. And, and that's where I don't agree with, because like, I feel like only murderers want to be put in statue form. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't think Harriet Tubman was like, yeah, cast me in bronze, you know? Also, and so, no one looks good. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's not like, Oh yeah, dude, you know, it'd be fly me and bronze like me do you bronze. ever look like yourself or look good like yeah. i think i think the idea going. the the only statue that i like is the um is the statue of the haymarket martyrs in chicago uh, that looks uh good. it's a i like that statue but most of the time it's like like i just feel like statues are for murderers and i like the idea of not replacing them like i like i you know assuming you know god willing inshallah that ohala that history survives that civilization survives and i get to have grandchildren i want to reach the day where i get to tell my grandchildren where they're like grandpa why is there this like pile of rubble and a broken plinth in front of city hall because of course my grandchildren would know the word plinth and use it in casual conversation <laughs> one of them um, will be named plinth correct yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and 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 i'd be like oh honey those are ruins like we, when we when we got here there was another civilization of like uh, when you know when we arrived, it was a whole culture of like decadent, stupid, mean, greedy people who didn't believe in science, and their society collapsed, and we barely survived. And all that remains of them now is this broken plinth and all you can eat buffets. Well, that's um, that, you know there is. Can I just? This is like a little bit of history. You know, I went to the terracotta soldiers uh, in China, in which was like hundreds and hundreds of you know, statues, essentially soldiers that were to be buried with this emperor who died. Um, the like, 
of the I forgot what what emperor it was anyway 2010 BC who remembers but the point is is that all of his advisors were like he was like I need I want to be buried with like a hundred horsemen and his advisors were like no you can't <laughs> kill people can't just like you know commit you know whatever like it's not like some sort of weird honor killing where they die with you. No one's going to die with for you in this. And so he was like, fine, well, they can just be made out of clay. So they made him out of clay. But a few years later, the whole emperor, the empire was like toppled and people stormed into where he was buried and physically ruined and destroyed every single terracotta soldier, which I think is dope. And now they've been a little bit reconstructed, but it's so beautiful because you go there and it's like, you don't see an emperor, you see like revolution. Anyway, I can be a uh, niche too, NATO. <laughs> um, I, uh, I I love I, I I get what you're saying, NATO, and I feel like I struggle a lot with being like, who needs heroes? We don't need heroes. Be your own hero. Find them in your life and in yourself. You don't need to put up a statue. But then I worry that like we could like get everybody to ad- agree to that, and then some doink is going to show up and be like. What about these statues of me? And then the door is just wide open if we don't purposefully go like, hey, what about this person who created the best biscuits? Let's give them a hand, like whatever. Things that, maybe things that actually affect people's lives. Um, But yeah, it should never be a a statue of someone who knows they're getting a statue of themselves. That's true. We should retroactively beyond the grave choose who was a hero and maybe it was someone who made good biscuits. So look, bacon quarantine like Eliza is probably bacon because yes. we might make a statue in 30 in 10 years when we all die. <laughs> when when I uh I don't know if I've mentioned it here on the on the show yet, but uh, I lived in Cuba, and um, <laughs> and uh, when I, I in in my neighborhood, like on the corner uh, by my house, there was a there was a statue. It was just a bust of Yasser Arafat, but like sneezing. It was like the most unremarkable, uninteresting statue. It was like clearly someone just needed to like fill out the roster of statues. <laughs> I, statue I love that statue. <laughs> I love that shit. I would, I'd want a bust of Yasser Arafat sneezing. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, just make it public art. <laughs> just like get, get people inspired. And what do you want to stick up there? That, that means, that means our community. Right. Uh, Eliza, what are you bitching about? What I'm bitching about is um, the people who are, uh, there the story about the people who um, were on a plane and refused to wear masks. So the plane had to turn around and come back. I feel like my oh. the the amount of change I have been able to affect in my life and hope for in the world. I often think of uh, if you remember in the Sleeping Beauty when Maleficent shows up and is like, "This baby will die," and then the little fat fairies show up and are like, uh, "Okay, well we can't keep them from dying. Can't keep her from dying. But what if it, it was sleeping instead?" And I kind of feel like that about this, where I'm like, "Okay, if we can't make you people wear masks, like." at least when you're on the plane, just put them on then. And then when you get off the plane, yell about it and rant about it. Make your video about how mean they were that they made you wear a mask, but just get there. Just put it on and get there. You bought a ticket, right? Yeah, honestly, the Sleeping Beauty reference is incredible. (laughs) Ne'er have I seen such a Disney princess reach. uh, That is so, it's true. I think that pilots should just, 
you know, drop suddenly and make the oxygen masks drop and be like, suckers, you know, like, what does it take? I can't imagine. I can't imagine the fucking stress. You're already on a plane. This is your first trip in so long. You're probably going to see your family members. You're there. Maybe you're halfway through this flight. You got your face shield and your mask. And talk about doinks, which is now my new favorite word. Thank you, Eliza. You're welcome. Not wearing masks. And you got to turn around. You got to turn. Oh my God. There had to have been a moment where they were like, seriously, you put it on right now or we're turning around. And they were like, hmm. And they turned around. like just. So they literally said, like, we're going to turn this plane around, sir or yeah. ma'am. Turned around. And then did. Landed, had to take them off. And then I believe still went where they were planning on going, but much later and much more freaked out for everybody involved. Just hope there were some good vouchers involved in that. <laughs> yeah, it's probably just like a free Starbucks or something. No good vouchers <laughs> anymore in the airline industry. <sighs> Damn it. It's a good bitch, dude. It's Thank a good you. bitch. Thank you. Reminding us of Maleficent. Um, all right, let's let's get into this. NATO. Should we do some comments? Uh, I, I would love to do some comments. Oh my God. I'm not in a rush at all. Uh, Eliza St Steven says you're a good rapper. I can testify. You. I've witnessed it. Thank you. Not going to ask you to rap now, but, thank uh, you. everyone check out Eliza Skinner's rapping. Yeah, it's difficult. Cause it's, um, something that I'm weirdly good at, but, uh, not anything that I think the world needs to see more white ladies do. I, mm. you know, so I'm like, I've got it. I'm, I'm good at a form of appropriation that I don't totally enjoy trotting out, but it's yeah, no, just don't do it at a BLM demo or maybe <laughs> do it. I There's Man, a way. These white ladies taking the microphones at protests and like taking over the chance that it's, it, it's driving me crazy. It, it, it raises a, it raises a question for me. Do you think, like, if you not, and I'm not saying this is true about you rapping, but it reminds me of of another circumstance I've encountered, uh, which is, do you think that if someone is incredibly is like the best in the world at something that has like no market value or relevance, is that beautiful for them to be, be the best at something at just some random thing, or tragic? I think it's both, and I say that with authority because I am incredibly good at musical improv and that's exactly what you're talking about <laughs> i mean i i'm i am exactly probably right. one of if not the best at points i have been probably the best in the world or in a large place at that and it is totally useless and not at all what uh pays for my groceries or rent some things should remain hobbies, Eliza. And I'm not saying you're not good, but musical improv, I'm, I believe you know, maybe that's one of them. I agree. 100%. Although, bail out the artists. We need that money. Um, uh, all right, we're moving on to the week where, because we live in a time, we don't know what time it is uh, at all. We don't know what day and days are or time is or weeks are or anything or how to be social anymore. And there's also a fuck ton of news coming at us uh, incredibly fast. It's a fire ho hose of diarrhea. Uh, and it's hard to keep track of. Um, and it's hard to get away from. It's, it's sort of, it's like, you know, both. It's inescapable. 
Uh, so we are going to track a few stories for you that we found interesting in this last week in the segment, The Week Where. Hold for uh-huh. music. Sorry. Thank you. I felt You're so about good. to get hit by, that. that is an oncoming truck of, of a segment right there. Um, this was The Week Where. Businessman and former Republican presidential candidate Herman Cain died of coronavirus. Cain tested positive just nine days after attending Trump's indoor rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Marco Rubio tweeted out his condolences with a picture of himself and Elijah Cummings. (laughs) Uh, The Trump administration, of course, is just going down like every bad action film. Like we can see it in slow motion. And this is the part where the black friend dies, right? He's been trotted out this whole time. Now he's his first one dead. And the hero's like, look, he took one for the team, but we will not be swayed from our quest to stop a killer virus by golfing again. Very sad. Yeah, I feel like I know that he's been involved with the Trump administration, but I guess in in the um, avalanche of garbage news that uh, is always involved in it, I'd kind of missed him. Um, like I hadn't heard much about him for the last few years. So when he died, I was like, oh, that guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that guy. And it was like, when you find out someone who was like awful in your high school got like OD'd on something like, oh, right. Well, I kind of <laughs> saw that coming. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he died of COVID after attending the Trump rally in Tulsa. And now the Republicans are trying to walk this line of like publicly mourning the death of Herman Cain without mentioning that their own anti-science denialism killed him and hoping that no one notices. This is some gangster shit to deny the responsibility for killing the guy that everyone just saw you kill. Like, it's like, yeah, you know, he was walking and he tripped and uh, fell down a flight of stairs and into a platter of spikes and then drowned in a vat of cholera. And then after death, ground up his body and buried in the foundation of a new library. Nobody saw it coming. Yeah. <laughs> a, a different administration would have to treat this like those, um, those uh, uh, the, the laser lights when you, when like a bank robber has to get in between those and be like, well, it's not our fault because also oh, yeah. it is our fault. But this one is yeah. just like, no, <laughs> nuh-uh. Not, <laughs> not it, not it, nope. we didn't do it. But, like, but you did, no. It's just just a hammer of dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was also the week where the Trump administration, as mentioned earlier, defied the Supreme Court, saying it would not uphold DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, Childhood or Child Arrivals, and is claiming to only support one-year extensions to the current uh, beneficiaries on a case-by-case basis. According to DH Secretary Drakkar Noir as a person, Chad Wolf, uh, residents will be allowed to remain if they can prove they've bought three months of Goya beans and called ice on their abuela. Only if. The, the, uh, the Department of Homeland Security has uh, launched a comprehensive review of DACA. It's all very bureaucratic. The Trump administration is so committed to their racism that they have guys in cubicles working on new ways of being racist, like cubicle level. You know what I mean? Like, like, the, like a guy alphabetizing insurance claims. They have entire office buildings somewhere in Northern Virginia of guys who like clock in at nine, work straight through till lunch at 11.15, fluorescent lights, stress balls, pouring over paperwork, trying to come up with new ways of doing a racism without looking racist. It's, it's, it's a big commitment. It's all just like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. 
I'm not touching it. Like it's the same game people played in the the backseat of a, a station wagon on car trips when you were a kid. It was like, it doesn't yeah. matter. You're still being racist, but, but I'm not touching you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. This is true. It's funny though. Cause I, I imagine that department NATO is just different people trying out different dog whistles, you know, like big ones, small ones, green ones, red ones, you know, and, um, this, oh, this administration this, doesn't even use This one's a sousaphone. Yeah. <laughs> nah. There's no need. We don't use them anymore now. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the week where unemployment benefits ran out. Uh, extra unemployment benefits. They ran out on Friday, same day that Beyonce released her new visual album, which is a complete clash of emotions. That's like having someone kick you in the genitals and then immediately start going down on you. <laughs> I'm not trying to kink shame, but mm. um, Congress Congress can't come to an agreement about how much they'll screw over the American people. If you guys have been following, Senate Republicans say that receiving a check from the government every month disincentivizes working. And they would know. (laughs) I mean, uh, Republicans want to cut extra unemployment benefits by two thirds, while democratically controlled House passed a three trillion dollar rescue package, which extends jobless aid and offers rental assistance, but also does things like give money to the healthcare scam Cobra. So watching these two parties haggle over a stimulus plan is like watching two dirty seagulls just fight over your sandwich, you know, and you're totally rooting for like the smaller one, but you don't really know why. It just seems like the underdog. And you're like, I guess, because at the end of the day, like your lunch is still going to be pecked into inedible nothingness. From the very beginning, the the argument about, uh, well, but if it's $600, that'll be for some people, that'll be like more than they make otherwise. That, that'll be like, it's like, that should be a red flag to you about a lot of problems with the country. <laughs> the, that's the, the, you're pointing to a whole different problem we should fix. That like yeah. people aren't just aren't making enough money. Um, it, the it's so. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm too upset about the entire concept of run the country like a business. Yeah. When we'll just yeah, declare yeah. bankruptcy, I guess, when mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Not like take care of your citizens. <laughs> the uh, so July 31 marks the end of the. An- uh, enhanced unemployment benefits that were passed under the CARES Act. So just to recap the stats, there are 30 million unemployed Americans right now, 25% of the workforce. GDP shrunk shrunk by one-third in the last quarter, uh, the most on record ever since the beginning of records uh, before that Atrex. Uh, and there are projections of a wave of millions of evictions. It's so bad that reporters have used up their thesauruses trying to come up with new ways to talk about how fucked up things are. Like it's a tsunami of evictions. GDP is in a nosedive. The job market is getting a lubeless fisting. Like it's all, that was in the Wall Street Journal. And that, so in to take you back, kids, in 2008, on the eve of the Great Recession, when Obama was running against Clinton for the Democratic nomination, Wall, people don't remember this, but Wall Street backed Obama. And I believe to my dying day that there is a section of Wall Street aristocrats who knew that the economy was about to implode and picked the black guy so that people would freak out about that because otherwise bankers would get dragged from their homes. So, Bituation fans, 
Uh, I'm not saying that you should drag bankers and corporate executives from their homes and expropriate their mansions as quarantine zones for COVID-infected immigrant meatpacking workers. I'm just saying that if you did do that, that would be a rational choice. I'm saying you should. I mean, I don't understand why, why this this is affecting the, all of this is affecting the most uh, vulnerable people in our society. If only COVID was like something that you could only catch on a private jet, you know? Right. Like, ooh, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be wonderful? Oh, you get it from um, high-end uh, juice fasts in Beverly Hills only. <laughs> well, wow, we would have some fucking answers and, and programs in place for people. If it were from Yoni eggs, that would wipe out half of the female population in Los Angeles, though. So I'm sort of, I don't want that necessarily. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not saying just any high-end thing. Just yeah, stupid. No. Well, no, that is a pretty stupid just one. Juice. Yeah, well. Hmm. Got to try it once. <laughs> Let's take, take the private jets. Try private what? jets. Yeah. If, if only it was only circulated through the air in private jets. God damn it. Uh, this was the week where Ellen DeGeneres apologized for what former staffers say was a toxic work environment full of sexual misconduct, favoritism, retaliation, random firing, manipulation, and a whole lot of dancing. Hey, hey. Um, Ellen <laughs> apologized and said she didn't know what was happening on her behalf and that, quote, I was not able to stay up on top of everything, basically pulling a Finding Dory. Who, me? Uh, I'm the head of a show? What? I'm powerful? Uh, if her taste in executive producers is anything like her taste in former presidents, we can only imagine the Ellen show is the Abu Ghraib of daytime. Uh, everybody is standing all day long, sleep deprived, and a woman in pants is dancing over your body. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got. <laughs> so uh, I don't. I'm not sure it's that bad. One staffer was reported as saying she's only addressing this now because the pu publicity is so bad for her and her BS brand of happiness and kindness. Whenever she'd tell viewers to choose kindness, I'd throw up a little in my mouth because she always chose the opposite. This is not that bad. Like if you're, it's bad. It's bad to throw up. But if you're gonna throw up, throwing up a little in your mouth seems like like a starting place to throw up. You know what I mean? Like entry level. Like seeing. Imagine how much worse it would be if the staff member threw up a lot from their ear. Um, so, I, Eliza, you've been like in positions of responsibility on. T uh, you've been a head writer on TV shows. Mm -hmm. Just out of curiosity, uh, how hard is it to be in a position of power on a TV set? and not ask subordinates for sex. Is that pretty, difficult? It's pretty easy. Um, yeah. Well, you know, for me personally, and yeah. maybe it's because I'm a Taurus, um, I, it's pretty easy. I have seen a lot of other people struggle with it though. So yeah. I don't know Definitely if it's a just thing. a thing for me. Um, also though, I would say Ellen, it, that is not true. Like the, all of the whole, like, I didn't know what they were doing. Like, yes, that would be a really irresponsible way to be a boss. But you did know it, and you were doing like she. She's notoriously not a fun person to work for. Um, I have no hate experience with her, but I have. Everyone who has worked here has heard stories about her, and I. I think that it's. I think just more and more we're seeing the dividing line is the billionaires. That's the problem. Are you yeah. a super rich person? Maybe your wealth has made you lose sight of how to treat human beings? 
Yeah. Maybe that would be a big thing to fix in the whole society. The number of enablers, it's like, you know, also is just like the, I feel like people's job descriptions at this point are just like enabler one, you know, it's yeah, like cover a little for that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just cover for her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is it possible to not know what's going on in your own show? On a daily show? I mean, I guess it could be, um, but a show that has, that is with your name on it, um, I would say no. You're, it's all, it's all to, to make sure you can do your job. That's what you do on a show with a host. Everyone is just working to make sure that that host can do what they need to do because right. they're the whole show. Um, you're working to dress them. You're working to make them happy. You're working to write the stuff for them. So it's not like everyone's doing the show and then they're over here. The show is that person. So what you're doing is that person constantly. Sure. So apparently, what they were doing was preventing people from looking her in the eyes. Apparently, yeah. you're not supposed to look Ellen directly in the eyes. Yeah, everything um, is to create the situation and the feeling that they need in order to do their job. I, I worked for Joan Rivers, and one of her things was she needed to have eighteen bajillion writers constantly. She needed to have. She needed to feel like she had so really, like really like like. 25 well, basically oh, it was no it was 12 but anyone in the room with a brain could potentially throw a joke to her she was like i want all the jokes all the jokes all the jokes and that's what she that's what she needed to feel like she can run a show she needs to feel like she has access to all the jokes in the world so anything else that ellen needs to do her show that's what she has needed to do that show she needs george the show she needs that she needs, kind of she needs no eye contact from people that she does not deem eye contact worthy i guess mm -hmm. um my, yeah. when i have my own show when when oh that's right hey welcome to the bituation <laughs> room guys i'm francesca fiorentini um no when i have a show that i don't also have to edit um <laughs> uh, I want, I definitely am a kombucha bitch, dude. I'm like, uh, there must be different flavors of kombucha always all around me. Everyone can drink them, but they have to be there. Oh, yeah. When I was on Corden, uh, anytime Corden was uh, on a diet, was trying to lose weight, just there, there were just no, no more snacks for anybody for the, like every, it, it was only the, you know, those seaweed papers, Oh god, like oh. stacks and stacks of those seaweed papers. And you have people who are like editing super fast or like showing up, but like, oh, nope. Seaweed paper. That's all snacks needs. couldn't be anywhere because he couldn't control himself. James Corden. God damn it. Eliza, thank you so much for being on the Bituation Room. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Everyone, follow Eliza. What, what what at Eliza Skinner? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, watch the show that's coming out on Disney Plus. One more reason to get Disney Plus, not for Beyonce, not for Hamilton. Which, by the way, since we have Eliza on, uh, Hamilton's been stuck in my head nonstop, and now Eliza, your name kicked that up for me once again. Yeah, it was really weird when it debuted, and I was getting, I, I saw all these people that like I know in my feed. And on Twitter, just being like, so what do you think about like 
what are, like Eliza dies eventually. And I'm like, what? I, I do? I mean, yeah, I guess I do. Like all these discussions <laughs> about Eliza. And I'm like, what? Oh, oh, wait, right. there's another How's Eliza the orphanage now. going? Like, uh, yeah. I guess I want to start an orphanage one day. What? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Eliza Skinner, Earth to Ned on Disney Plus coming out very, very, very soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. She's off to go cook an amazing dinner, I'm sure. I'm jealous. You guys, you have seen his work on Vox, on YouTube, on Twitter as at Gay Wonk. You might know him as the Gay Wonk. You might know him uh, as the digital Marxist uh, kicking the hornet's net on the internet time and time again, saying, fuck the haters. Uh, he is a video producer creating leftist political essays. He is the creator of Strike Through on Vox, member of the 2019 Out Magazine, Out 100, and is generally trying to be a decent human being at the end of the world. Wow. Please welcome Carlos Maza. Hey, guys. Hi. I'm, I really hope that this uh, interview will leave you satisfied. Uh, it's my Hamilton reference. It's my attempt at a Hamilton reference. God damn it. God damn it. God damn it. No, no, no. <laughs> Sorry. no. It's, been, it's, it's been like... You know, I have like 5 a.m. wake ups, like stress, stre about an hour where I can't sleep between 5 and 6 a.m. And it's very much like, wait for it, wait for it. I am the one thing in life that can't be desanitized. You know, it's just, it's constant. The Hamilton is constant. Don't, don't watch Hamilton. I mean, watch it, but only once, only once. If you can, I'd be impressed if someone could watch it only once. It's stuck on my head for the rest of my life. I, uh, I, uh, I, I just went down a rabbit hole reading about the, that, you know, uh, like, uh, uh, the Aaron Burr treason trial. Do you know about it? No. That, so like, there's all this stuff about Aaron Burr and Hamilton, but after Aaron, Burr, Aaron Burr is vice president at the point that he kills Hamilton and then, and then he's, he, he's vice president, I think for Jefferson's first term, doesn't stay with Jefferson for the second term and then goes out to the Western United States. And there's a belief on the part of Jefferson and the other Democratic Republicans that, that Aaron Burr is like instigating a conspiracy to create another country using Mexican land in the Western US. Mm. Um, and so then they bring him back and try him for treason. And, uh, and he ultimately gets acquitted. But like there's this whole other anyway, I just thought it was fascinating that there was this whole other storyline about about Western land conspiracies. Is there a musical to go along with that? Not yet. Not yet. Like I'm uh, not really I'm not really into like non-musical. You're not really into non-musical versions of history. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Although, but because it's about it's a like it's a related to Mexican land acquisition, it's it's just it's just like a like a bolero uh musical. I'm into it. Yeah. Cool. That'd be good. I like I write it. And thank you, Nato, for continuing to talk about Hamilton when I've explicitly <laughs> said I didn't want to talk about it anymore. Hey, um, I was not talking about Hamilton. I was dropping more obscure and useless, irrelevant knowledge. Carlos. Hi. I have so many questions for you. This is the first time we've really hung out virtually uh, or at all. And um, you do such dope work. And uh, when you say like lefty political essays, it reminds me very much of the stuff I do. So we're like kindred and stuff. Um, oh, I know. When I was first getting into video work, I used 
Newsbroke as like a model. And I was so mad that you had taken the name Newsbroke because I was like, that is the perfect name for any media literacy show is Newsbroke. So I've always <laughs> felt like 10 steps behind you in my life in the best possible way. Aww. Following Taking the leader. The that was like, I was like very non-obvious name, but it took, we took a, a few days to like brainstorm. Um, there was also uh, Lol Jazeera was a runner up for our show. Uh, close runner up. Didn't, so good. Didn't so good. What a waste. Carlos, you should know that that's actually in Francesca's rider that she requires all men to walk 10 steps behind her. I'm yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. the extent that I qualify as a full man, I will walk as far behind <laughs> you as, I, as you want. Yeah. Uh, Carlos, okay. So can I just, can I ask you briefly, now you're on your own. What? Mm -hmm what can you do differently? Like you're not with Vox anymore. How does it feel to like not be with a, a news organization? I'm sure that that's hard and like feels a little like, do you have backing, whatever, but you've got lots of subscribers and your content's excellent. Like what is different? Like what can you do that you weren't allowed to do before? I mean, the biggest thing is like when I was at Vox, I had a, a producer and an editor who were helping me make stuff. So I was basically just like writing and being on camera and now I do everything by myself in this apartment. So it's a lot more steps in video production but the much bigger thing is i don't have to meet a deadline or cover a topic that i'm not interested in and so if i want to make like a long 20 minute video about police abolition and like have it be weird and experimental and like kind of theatrical no one can tell me shit uh so i never really felt when i was at vox like they said you know don't be too lefty but the freedom of knowing that no one will ever now tell me don't be too lefty means that i'm just more much more like expensive and creative and also i think there's like a quiet pressure, especially on any platform like YouTube to just be making quick, small, bite-sized things that get you in the, the cycle. And there's like a time and place for that and I get it, but I'm like much more interested in just like taking a, taking a fucking second to like slow down and figure out, just to think more thoughtfully and critically about stuff. And so I really like not having to ever worry about is the window on this story closing? Or like, is this video right. too long? Will the Facebook moms not watch this and be like, okay, they won't watch it. It's not for them. Like, I'm just yeah, is, is it a challenge video? Yeah, I don't I don't ever want to have to worry about if the algorithm likes me. I just want to worry about if I like me <laughs> and what I'm making. So right now I like really like me and what I'm making. That's tight. I also, I, I hear you on the, there's a lot of, it, when you're in news media, it's, it's very much like, yeah, we're not really looking for like an angle on the news. We're just looking for the news, but like give us a personality, but like dry, but like, you know, funny, but like don't make a joke, you know, but um, how do I explain this? And that's, that's yeah. very, <laughs> that is the world we come from. And yeah, it's, it's nice to be free of that. It's tough to know sometimes, especially like in the new media space, if you are a reporter or an opinion person or an editor. And so it can make, be kind of weird in some edit meetings being like, am I allowed to say fuck the police or not? And now I never have to ask that question because I'm always allowed to say fuck the police. Just it's part of my job now. So it's nice to be, not to worry about answering to anybody or worried about them like suddenly deciding that I've, I've become too opinionated because yeah. of some external like corporate advertiser pressure that has nothing to do with me. What's it like to like yourself though? <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> I just got here, uh, and I would just say it's it's touch and go. <laughs> that makes you feel better. It's touch and go. Uh, Carlos, you are you know I think some people know your work from Vox, and uh, you had sort of about a year ago a dust up, not really a dust up, but a dust up with YouTube specifically over um, 
A man named Steven Crowder, a uh, political commentator and comedian in so many quotes, uh, it obscures the word, um, who has this, you know, show Louder with Crowder. And he uh, consistently spoke about you and mocked you and uh, explicitly in making fun of your race, your sexuality. Um, and instead of taking it up with him, you took it up with YouTube. Can you just tell us what happened and what the fallout was? Yeah, obviously I was publishing at Vox for like two years and basically from the first or second month that I was publishing, this dude was making like rebuttal videos. Um, oh, I love them. That, that like the substance of the rebuttals was like nothing more interesting than what you hear on Fox and Friends, but he was doing all this extra shit like calling me a lispy queer and like uh, making fun of my race. So I like flagged it to YouTube privately and like told my bosses about it and nothing really got done. And it was happening for two years. And then uh, one of his supporters got my phone number and was like doxing me. And uh, wow. I just got really frustrated. So I edited this super cut of like every time he had, YouTube has these rules that say you can't basically just go after someone for being part of a marginalized group. Like you're not allowed to really engage in hate speech or like targeted harassment. So I edited together this uh, compilation um, on that couch back there, like just frustrated one night and published it. And I got a bunch of attention from tech reporters basically who were like, yo, this is a pretty clear violation of the rules. Why is this still happening? Yeah. And YouTube finally responded and said, you know, YouTube really only responds when they have negative press. And they responded and said, okay, we'll look into it. And then went like radio silent for a couple of days. And they came back and said, you know, it doesn't violate the rules because when he calls you, let's be queer, that's not the point of his video. The point of his video is to re is to debunk you, and he just happens to also call you. Let's be queer while he's doing it. So because that's not the purpose of what he's trying to say, it's allowed. And then they like demonetized him, but then they uh, said if he like stopped saying certain things, they would remonetize him. It was like a huge clusterfuck. But basically, that the conclusion was YouTube didn't do jack shit, and YouTube has all these policies about harassment and hate speech that they don't enforce. And that's like it's in this case, it was very true of YouTube, but also this problem of like not knowing how to enforce even basic content moderation rules that are on the books is yeah. true for basically every tech platform. Every publishing platform has this problem. So I just happened to have this big public fight with YouTube and it like blew up my life for six months, I would say. Like not the, not the best year of my life, but I'm really <laughs> glad that I did it um, because I think a lot of reporters now are much more aware of the fact that YouTube is like this truly godless um, corporation that's really only interested in driving engagement and getting views to be profitable and not in like, enforcing any either the letter or the spirit of its anti-hate policies it just doesn't truly does not give a shit um which you know is like true of every corporation but yeah. youtube 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 was also like turning their logo rainbow colors for pride month and like right. trotting out their lgbt creators for pride month so i was like specifically fuck youtube for, for this case because i don't like being um used for pr stunts and then not getting even the basic protections when like stuff happens that actually affects my ability to do my job right and and yet, and yet, you and I and we, we're all on YouTube. We're trapped. We're still there. Um, and it's hard. And I know NATO is still on Facebook. Um, <laughs> it's okay, dude. It's okay. Sad dad. Sad dad. Sad guy got a post. <laughs> um, you know, we all have our vices. I got to poke some people sometimes. <laughs> I hear that. People. I hear that. I think my my question is so every time Newsbroke does a video on um uh white nationalism, we 
fucking kick the hornet's nest like crazy. Not deliberately. We're not like tagging Steven Crowder or people like this. And as I'm, as I know you weren't either until you did, but um, like every time white nationalists will find our pieces about race and racism and immigration, for example, where we say, Hey, Donald Trump wants to make America white again. That is not a radical statement in this, in any moment of this administration. Um, they'll come after us, they'll whatever, you know, fuck up the algorithm. But a lot of my reaction to some of this right wing hate is kind of like, and, and, and generally I will be honest with you with Twitter overall, um, is like, this is not a place to be a marginalized group. Like this is not a place to be a woman. This is not a place to be gay. This is not a place to be a person of color. This is an aggro like spit war between fragile virgins um, <laughs> talking about, yeah, like Ulysses S. Grant or whatever the fuck they're talking about. You know what I mean? Like it is, so, so how do you remain positive about tech potentially being used for, for not that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two problems that are separate very, but very closely linked. One is that like every platform that allows people to publish and doesn't enforce rules will become uh, 4chan, given enough time. That like, just mm. the nature of <laughs> online posting is that people feel comfortable uh, expressing their, their worst impulses, whether it's to get a reaction out of you or to genuinely express some kind of hatred. And there's this belief, I don't think tech companies believe this. I, say they, I think they, they say that they believe this, but there's this belief that if you just let everyone talk, that a purely free speech market will let the best speech rise to the top and everything else will get pushed out. Yeah. There's never, ever, ever, ever been an example where that's happened. If you look at any fucking publishing platform, the opposite happens. The bullies start harassing people who are marginalized and the marginalized right. people leave and say, I'm not doing this anymore. And they banish ship, which is why like 4chan goes the way it does. Why Reddit goes the way it does. Why YouTube, Facebook, Twitter go the way it does. And why like Pinterest over enough time is going the way that it does. Oh, because, no. because I mean, look at that, the Gutenberg Bible. It's just bad, bad speech wins almost always because it triggers like uh, uh, the tribal defensive response of people's brains in a way that yeah. compassion does not. So if you let everyone in the playground fight, the bullies will win no matter how wrong they are about bullying. So there's like that problem, which is just you have to enforce the rules. YouTube has this other problem, which is they like make a lot of money off of the alt-right. Like if you, if you turned the alt-right into its own vertical on YouTube, it would be one of the highest engagement verticals on all of YouTube because- yes. It draws a lot of traffic and it, it keeps people on the site for a long time. So YouTube knows that if it shuts that stuff down, they'll have they'll have a less compelling pitch to advertisers about the amount of watch time on the platform. And yeah. so YouTube allows people to stay there and like drives viewers to them, even if it doesn't monetize them. And so it's like people are already shitty and YouTube is turning the shitty leaders of that tribe into superstars and heroes. And that uh, makes it a lot worse. I think the answer is, YouTubers should unionize. Like there's nothing that you can mm. do do from like a critic's perspective because YouTube's answer is I don't fucking care and it makes us money so screw you. But if enough YouTubers and creators recognized that they were being exploited and had no leverage to change the company and started to form some kind of digital creator union, that gives some leverage. But like the alternative to that is letting the government regulate it. And though I am like a big nanny state Marxist, I don't oh, totally. think I trust Congress to regulate the internet ever. I much, I much trust a group of creators, including Stephen Crowder. Like I'm advocating for unionizing with the dude who I do not like, but I think you have to give creators some 
just like any any union, you have to trust that the workers who make the stuff will advocate right. for their better conditions. And so I think that's the only reasonable next step for regulating a platform like YouTube. It can I ask? So I mean, it, uh, it, you know what? You're, what it's it it it, it seems like it's going to take it. It will take some kind of government action to get standards. And just like you know, whenever you watch hearings about technology, it's like these you know, sh like lame, like old, like sixty-five-year-old congressmen, like talking about you know, like using like farming metaphors <laughs> to try to talk about like technology algorithms. They just like are so hopelessly out of their depth. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, mm -hmm, can mm -hmm. you talk about like like if if you know like I like I uh, you know I've been like gotten my share of death threats by Nazis on Twitter. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I don't know if you can see it in my face. I'm a Jew. I, this, yeah. is Jew this is Jew face. You can <laughs> For those see of it. you just listening, um, you, you, imagine you, Jew face. Yeah. You, you imagine Jew face, like, like the nose is or just actually green. like going through the screen and is on Carlos's couch from here. <laughs> um, so like I've had not like, I've had Nazis like come at me hard on Twitter I've learned like the state of anti-Semitism, like slurs that I didn't even know were anti-Semitic <laughs> slurs. Like, you know, some of them sound cool, actually. Like, so do you have a do you have a thought about like, you know, I'm not a tech person, so I don't understand it. Like what what would sensible regulation or like standards look like, like if, to 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 change it so that it wasn't just promoting hate and violence? Yeah, it's really tough. I think the the problem would be. My anxiety is if if government required any kind of if government tried to dictate how you should regulate speech, that almost every tech platform or, or publishing platform would respond by saying, "Okay, then we're not going to regulate it at all. Like we'll treat all speech completely equally, so that we're not liable for regulation." So that's my fear: is I don't want to give any of these platforms an excuse to be like, "You're right, we we aren't regulating it well." So our answer is no moderation, total free for all. So that's my that's, anxiety. That's what happened with Facebook. Right. I'm going to jump in and just say like Facebook initially was like, well, we're, we're probably going to fact check some of the things that are shared. And then right wingers, which they consistently do still about Facebook, the platform that's straight up gotten authoritarians elected. Mm. Um, they're still complaining that Facebook has a right anti right wing bias. And Zuckerberg, you know, buckled under the pressure and he was like, fine, no editorial board, whatever. Fuck it. Every free for all. And there have been study after study, like Carlos is saying, that fake news and right and like extreme views. Right. They get shared 10 times more frequently than real news. Um, and I think, I think I, I'm going to come down on the, like, we need government regulation and at like, and look, Hey, I think the porn industry should be regulated for quality. Okay. Listen, here's the point. I think you can have, if the people KKK, should take their socks off before the porn taping, honestly, yeah, <laughs> but if too if many people, porns with people wearing socks. Yeah, too much Fuck lighting. Because I don't need to see that much. Yeah. Fucking put like, some candles up there. Yeah, they always have a watch on and socks in the porn. <laughs> yeah, where are you going? Right. Yeah. But but I, I just want to say, like, the quality control would be, hey, in, in the same way of, like, I don't want to live in a neighborhood that has 10 gun stores and no bookstores. I don't want to live on an internet and work on an internet where there are you know, 200 channels that tell you that racism isn't real and only one channel that talks about the civil rights movement. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it maybe there are, um, and then I don't mean shutting things down, but like applying, you know, applications to be like, hey, 
we want to be another white nationalist channel. Like, sorry, man, we're all topped out of the white nationalist channels, you know, like, and so I think I'm, I come down a little heavier than, than cause fuck Crowder, man. No one wants to form a union with him because those fools prey on all of our dads that watch a CNN video. And then they go down a goddamn rabbit hole. And suddenly they believe that Bill Gates has put a microchip in our heads. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, as, as a union guy, it's the kind of person who would uh, demand representation when they are like being disciplined, but then would cross the picket line for everybody else. Um, <laughs> the, I mean, there's there there how much of it, Carlos? Do you think is like is is inherent to tech, and how much of it is like symptoms of other problems in our culture? Like so, I like I have twelve year old kids, and my kids will do like research projects for school, and we'll end up watching like history videos on YouTube, and we're pretty you know because of who our family is, like we're pretty rigorous about Marxist like, dad, Marxist dad about like did the video say the words dialectical materialism? Um, like, you know, uh, if not, then you can't use it in your, in your class essay, like, like verifying that the videos that they're using, like teaching them to view these videos with a critical eye so that they can check, like, is this a credible source or is this just some garbage that's being fed to me by the algorithm? And like, you know, a lot of people are not learning how to have a critical lens to as media consumers in a lot of ways and how to evaluate sources like do you think it's how much of it is the technology and how much of it is the technology is a symptom of other forms of social deterioration i think i'm, I'm very skeptical as like a systems person of putting too much weight on individuals and how they critically think about this stuff because i think of myself as a critical thinker and even i if i were truly exposed to the amount of of awful conspiracy stuff, stuff on YouTube would start feeling it after a while. And there was all this um, reporting done last year about how like Facebook moderators who were literally trained to recognize conspiracy theories and take them down, started believing like conspiracy theories over just sheer mm -hmm. time because repetition makes your brain accept it. So I don't think the answer is, I, I, I think training was like not, training people to think critically is not enough. I do think it's a tech problem in the sense that people who run these platforms for the most part, and I'm I'm painting with a broad brush here, but are not people who have thought very critically about uh, race, power, or propaganda and how those things work. They're just they it's not their background, and so their understanding of like what certain types of speech do to a target audience is very like um, intro to philosophy 101, like freshman in college, mm -hmm. dumbass knee jerk reaction. Like they truly do think Turning that point we, USA. They, yeah, they just think like any bad idea can be beat by a good idea and that's it. And so they had that kind of blinder on that they're just like not smart enough to be managing speech platforms. And then there's this other concern, which is they are smart enough to know how to make money. And every fucking tech CEO knows that hate speech and general batshittery is very good for your bottom line. That that stuff is much more engaging than thoughtfulness or fact checks. So they will create an ideology that justifies non-intervention, but the real motive is completely profit-centric, which is why whether it be government or unions, you need a governing body at all these platforms that has some concern for well-being, both of the audience and the creators, that is divorced from profit. And there's nothing I wish I could like appeal to Mark Zuckerberg and say, dude, you know this is bad, but he yeah. does know and he just doesn't give a shit. So there's nothing, yeah. there's no argument to make that will change their mind. Their, their mind's already been changed. They just don't care. It's really shocking that Mark Zuckerberg, 
who invented a platform to rate how hot women were <laughs> is like on the fence about racial justice. <laughs> he just yeah. doesn't have the range. He's not equipped for this kind of job. He's yeah. totally out of his depth. So I'm not surprised that he's a dumbass about it. Because how how could he not be a dumbass about this stuff? Uh, I just want to read uh, a comment from YouTube. David Durais says, unrepealed, the FCC fairness doctrine ended in 1987. Fox Incorporated next day and added new platforms to its re-regulation like hate talk radio, cable, internet, and social media. Absolutely. I think the fairness doctrine is one of those things we have to look into more. Um, the amount that people get away with, and we're talking about YouTube, right? Like, turn on Fox News, the shit that comes out of their mouths, the, the violence and the hatred that they incite. And I think, Carlos, you're totally right. The the hearing uh, in the, what was it, the antitrust um, House committee this week, uh, which was actually a better hearing than I think, NATO, the ones you were referencing before, like where like lawmakers are totally out of their depth. This one was better because it was the lawmakers came in with a sort of a clear. I mean, if you're a Republican, it was like, why are you biased? And if you're a Democrat, you're asking, you know, why did you buy Instagram? Which, by the way, Mark Zuckerberg's response to why did you buy Instagram and sort of bully it out of the market was uh, was, well, it wasn't going to be successful on its own. <laughs> Bitch. Which is basically YouTube's or Google's argument for why they bought YouTube. Like we had to come in there and make the shit profitable because it wasn't making enough money. I'm so mad. I'm so many hair flips. I'm so angry about that. And and um, beautiful moment. If you guys want to see Bezos, Bezos gave, I think, the best testimony in that he looked the dumbest. And he straight up did not know Lucy McBath, a congresswoman who asked him. And she, Lucy McBath is the mother of a, a young man who was killed by a fucking racist ass white dude. Uh, he was playing his music loud and got shot and killed. Uh, Lucy McBath then ran for Congress. She's a hero. And she asked Bezos, like, are you selling stolen material on your your website? And he was like, probably. <laughs> like, he was like, I don't, I couldn't tell you. I'm, yes, at some point, perhaps. She was like, do you have to have an actual address as a third party seller on your platform? I couldn't tell you that. I don't know. You don't have to have an address to sell counterfeit shit. Not, of course, in addition to the fact that mom and pop shops are being obliterated by Amazon. But that was it was an interesting moment. And you're absolutely right, Carlos, revealed that the money's good. The money's fucking solid. Yeah, um, they really, they really only prepped for this when they have to go in front of Congress. Like, they're, they, if, you, if you did not bring this up in a hearing where they were worried about regulation they would truly never even think about this stuff because it's just not their MO. Like why, yeah. why would Jeff Bezos care about that shit? It doesn't affect him in any way unless he's worried about getting regulated. Carlos, I want to ask you so many things. I really want you to come back to the show and let's do some extended interviews. Let's give the people what they want, more content, but we have to move to our last segment right now. Those people are so greedy. It's just a, like a uns insatiable maw of content consumption. Yeah, they're greedy. They're greedy as fuck. That's why they need to tip TBR dash live at Venmo, TBR live cash app. I want to. I haven't gotten a single notification. God damn it! This is sad. <laughs> this is sad. Usually, I they got like five or six about, by now. They don't care about races. We're I can take my right. I can take my shirt and socks off if you want. I can light a candle and try to make this more sexy. If that will help the the tip thing. If you I want. know. I realize I have too much. Too many lights on. Too many lights. Too many lights. Uh. 
Look, you're already wearing a tank top, Carlos. I don't know if, if the out. internet can handle you being sexier. It's honestly, so hot in New York. It's so fucking hot in New York, guys. I'm dying. <laughs> Global warming is killing me. Um, we're going to move to our last segment. Carlos, we have a tradition on the Bituation Room, uh, which is new segment. But we're going to break with our tradition of no traditions and do a traditional segment out of tradition. Mm. Um cool. And tradition. <laughs> tradition. Um, that is a better musical that I want stuck in my head. Ah, there I said it. Um, it is called My Sources Say. This is the game where we predict what's going to happen in the future. Uh, and just, you know, you're a journalist. So it's like, whatever, you know how this game works. You, uh, you know, make a prediction about an election and you're wrong. And then, uh, you don't get held accountable for it because <laughs> whatever, it's fine. Um, my sources say, so I'm going to give you a little prompt and you and NATO and myself, we're all going to answer. My sources say, come 2030, come 2030, Facebook will be. Uh, come 2030, Facebook will be Skynet and launch the nukes. <laughs> Is that an Iron Man reference? Uh, Terminator, bro. Oh, right, 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 right. Sorry. I let another pew, pew. You got to step up your nerd game. I, yeah, I know. That's action movie game. That's fine. Carlos, come okay. 2030, Facebook will be? Come 2030, Facebook will be uh, beating Fox News at its own game. I think by that point, more conservative audiences will be tuning into Facebook to get their information than will be actually turning on Fox News on their TV. I think Fox News is facing its real challenger from Facebook. From ONN or OAN or whatever the hell that awful. But like, all those, they'll all be publishing on Facebook and getting mad traffic. Like who will need a TV at that point anymore? It'll just be Facebook all the time. And all of us will have hopefully left or uh, died or both. <laughs> okay, I'm missing my sources say, but I, I will say come 2030, my sources say Facebook will be broken apart by President Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. <laughs> Hell yeah. Nationalized. Um, and there will be very good porn on it as well. Ooh, into very that. Very high quality, high production no value. Socks. The no, no socks, socks act of 2030. Get it done. No socks yeah. and nothing but pedicured. Pedicured feet. Yeah, no, no laundry in the background. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Francesca, I love that you you are playing my sources say like Simon says, like, ah, my sources didn't say. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't count unless you say my sources say. My bad. All right. It won't come true. All right. Uh, the next Republican to die of COVID, my sources say, will be. Ooh, I haven't thought about this one. The next Republican, y'all. Let us uh, let us know in the comments. The next Republican to die from COVID, my sources say, will be Stephen Miller. Because the goddess is listening to my prayers. Yep. And will smite his ass. Smite his ass. Hashtag smite, smite his, ass. his ass. Um I, I like that one. His wife already had it or has it. 
Right. So it's there. It's always within striking distance of the important people. Carlos, any thoughts on which Republican? Um, my sources say the next Republican to die of COVID uh, will, by the time they die, be a very popular guest on Bill Maher. <laughs> It'll be someone <laughs> in the Bill Maher green room who is going on to make some leftist too woke screed and gets it at the snack table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's right. Um, okay. Uh, it, the next Republican to die from COVID, my sources say, is not the person I want necessarily. I feel like I don't know who it's going to be, but I feel like it'll be another person of color because COVID it gives and it takes kind of thing, but it's, it's, it's got, why did it have to be Herman Cain? Like I fucking hate Herman Cain, but really like the black Republican. Ah, <sighs> so it'll be like, it'll be Ted Cruz, dude. I don't know if you guys seen his, his face. He is Latino by the way. He's Cuban. He's Cuban is one of ours. Oh yeah. I don't know. Cubans would call that guy white. Of NATO and of right. nuestro. Uh, NATO lived in Cuba, Carlos. I don't know if you knew that. I heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll tell you all about it. But uh, Ted Cruz. <laughs> Ted Cruz's facial hair is already like it's it's like allergic to a mask. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, I talked about it uh, with John Iderola that it looks like um, it looks like a possum dressing up as a Civil War uh, soldier. It's disgusting and it's amazing. Um, Ted, it's going to be Ted crazy. Cruz's face looks like the last moment before the faces melt off at the end of Ra Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's really good. Like his skin is trying to evacuate from his face. Always. Yeah. We need better Cubans in politics. It can't be me, but someone's got to take up the mantle. I'm sick of this shit. I think it's got to be you. All right. <laughs> I'll try my best. I got to find sleeves first. <laughs> you don't need sleeves. You just put a blazer on top of that, baby. Yes, good point. Good Sweat point. right through it, right through it. Um, all right, my sources say the country that most Americans will seek asylum in come 2021 will be Obs. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to go with New Zealand. They're already um. looking into passports. First of all, this is all wishful thinking because every country has closed its borders to us. Sure, uh, sure. But if you're in New Zealand right now and you're watching this or listening, like I am a great housemate. And once again, solid repertoire of stews. <laughs> it's a good pitch. I'd take you. I'd yeah, take you thanks. In. Thanks. Uh, Carlos? Okay. Any, My sources say I think it will be... Italy, hear me out. Ooh. I saw some article that says that there are these small towns in Italy that nobody lives in that are giving away money if you come live there and like start a life there. And everyone Done. is feeling the crunch right now. Done. You want me to go live in the mountains of Italy with a goat? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And you're gonna pay me? Absolutely. You know how many good ingredients you can get for a goat stew out there? <laughs> Work together on this bad boy. We'll be eating like know. kings and queens. Do we have? Do you have to bear children? This is the problem. Or can Ooh, you just I, have I goats sure hope as not. children? <laughs> I sure hope not, because then I need a plan B. But I'm assuming that they'll let gay guys come, just like flip the house and sell it for a profit. So that's gonna be my game plan. 
<laughs> flip the castle. Flip the castle. Hey, Carlitos is going to flip the castle and then live here with his goat. It's me with a paintbrush. Like, I don't know how to fucking decorate, but I guess, I guess that this is what I'm here for. I'm just like painting white eggshell on all the walls. <laughs> uh so in, 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 the, in the comments, Stephen says, let's go, go to Cuba. I have to agree. Uh, you know, one of the, I mean, Cuba's crushing it with coronavirus right now. And like, you know, one of the advantages of being like a lightweight police state is like when the government says like everyone stay inside, fucking everyone stays inside. <laughs> like, you know, like my friends in Cuba are emailing me being like, can you believe it? I saw four people with no masks on. This is an like they are. It is offensive, you know. Like they, they you know, they they have internalized that that like we're all in this together, and we, you know, we, we follow the rules, and this is the system, and and mm -hmm. this is how we're going to beat the thing, and hopefully someday tourists will come back, and then you know, fumamos y bailamos. We have a we have a light police state. We just don't use it to enforce the mask rules. Like we have right. all the cops and the fear, but none of the effective use of authoritarianism. That's yeah, exactly we just use right. it for all the wrong stuff. Totally. <laughs> God damn it, that's so fucking right. Oh, Carlos, that's the that's the realest thing you've you've said. Abolish the police, ever. except the man police, like the, the mask police. Like don't abolish them until after this is over, and then we can abolish them. The, dude, hey, oh, we could we could go on. I could go on for so long about that because, yes, I'm like, can we just at least get – I want, like, uh, as my friend Kate said, uh, a police officer, you know, like just someone monitoring the COVID, making sure you've got a mask on, you know, a officer, a police officer. Let's all keep our germs to ourselves. That's so um, good. I hate it. It's going to be stuck in my head like Hamilton now, officer. <laughs> yeah. All right. One final one. My sources say that in a year's time – so August 2nd, 2021, Mike Pence will be. Uh, Mike Pence will be uh, several months into the first year. The, it, will, it will have been the, uh, a few months of the Biden administration and then several months of the Karen Bass administration. And uh, so he'll have some time on his hands. <laughs> already, and, already in a year by August yeah. 2nd. <laughs> yeah, Biden will have, uh, it, it turns out he had some tainted hair plugs and they gave him brain, uh, some brain worms and, and he died tragically. Um, I love and, this eulogy. Yeah. So there were some brain, some hair, bad hair plugs and he, he got some brain worms he got and then he died. He got some dodgy hair plugs and, uh, and then he died. And then, um, and then, so Mike Pence had time on his hands, out of office, nothing to do, just like gets he goes super into polyamory, starts to find <laughs> himself, uh, starts calling everyone mother, just like, like, a, <laughs> like, like a straight up fuck boy. That's his safe word. Okay, uh, uh, my, source, my sources say that in a year's time, Mike Pence will be in a. Provincial town in Italy, flipping a house <laughs> by painting the walls eggshell white. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, my sources say in a year's time, Mike Pence will be with Richard Branson surfing um, and post a picture of himself or water skiing or whatever it was and post a shirtless picture of himself having a grand old time with Richard Branson, with whom he will begin a relationship with. Okay. 
So it'll be like, ha ha, Obama, I can do it too. Wait a minute. I, my blonde sees your blonde. They're the same blonde white. I don't like it. it. Sorry. We've discussed, heavily discussed what it would be like to kiss Joe Biden on this show. We have not discussed any other politician, but you can handle a Mike Pence, Richard Branson. You're right. Uh, fanfic right now or non-fanfic what's the opposite of a fanfic what is uh Mm. i think uh dystopian fiction or fofic it's a it's a fofic okay okay a fofic i like it um carlos maza you're so wonderful thank you for being on the bituation room thanks for having me follow carlos at gay wonk on twitter and on Instagram, but mostly watch his 20 minute labor of love videos on YouTube. They're great and so well researched. Thanks. (laughs) They really are. All right. Take care, Carlos. Be safe. Stay hot. He knew what I meant. It's like stay cool, stay hot. Mm -hmm. NATO Green, you've been wonderful. Everyone, check out the Whiteness album. That's my album. Oh, yeah. That's NATO's album. I'm plugging it. Yeah, thank you. Whiteness album, uh, Facebook, YouTube. Thank you, Nato. Thanks. And thank you all for listening and watching and being here. Please remember to rate this podcast, give it five stars, like, do all the things, and tip us. We're donating, and we have donated to Raices in Texas to help um, people who are DACA recipients continue and fight for their cases and defy... uh, this POS in the White House and his little chud wolf by his side. And remember, we're voting. We're voting in November. We're voting for Joe Biden. Right? Okay, because John Lewis took a bat to the head so that we had the right to vote. Um, And because the alternative is this. And by the way, I just ended the rule on suburbs. You know, the suburbs, people fight all of their lives to get into the suburbs and have a beautiful home. There will be no more low-income housing forced into the suburbs. We rescinded the rule three days ago. So enjoy your life, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy your life. (laughs) Fuck off. Oh, he swallowed the dog whistle, everybody. Thank you so much. Be well and see you next time.